This week on Blue 58, we're scanning to one song and one song only, predicting what the Packers will do in the NFL Draft. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. We are powered this weekend every week by WTMJ Mobile. I am your host, John Meerdink, joined by co-host Gary Zillavy. How are you doing, Gary? It's a great day to be great, John. It's a great day indeed. It's a great day to do something different. No headlines to start this podcast. In fact, no headlines at all. We are doing something a little bit out of the ordinary for Blue 58. We're focusing entirely on one topic this week, and that topic is the NFL Draft. Gary and I think that we can help you predict who the Packers are going to pick in the upcoming NFL Draft. We're about two weeks away now. So now it's time to start getting really serious. We think this is an important thing to do because normally we view the draft one way. Typically, you see things like Team X needs Y, so Team X is going to draft Y. This is how mock drafts are built. The Packers need a running back, so we better have them take a running back in the first round, no matter whether or not that running back is actually good for Green Bay. That's not entirely correct. It's not entirely correct, and the draft is about more than just one round. Often, we tend to think that if our team can't get an elite talent in the first round at a position of need, kind of like cornerback this offseason for the Packers, then there's no hope. You might as well pack it in, 0-16, just get the number one draft pick and move on next year. It's just not true. You can find elite players and fill your team's needs outside of the first round. Guys like Bakhtiari, Mike Daniels, those are fourth-round picks, and even Jeff Janis was a seventh-rounder. This first-round pick that everybody focuses on in mock drafts is the glamour pick, but it's hardly the pick that determines whether a team's draft was successful or not. So we're doing things a little bit differently, and we're going to tell you how and why. We think we can predict with fairly reasonable accuracy what the Packers are going to do in the NFL draft here in a couple weeks. But why? Well, why is that, Gary? Well, two reasons. Uh, first, it's it's just a lot of fun to dream, to make predictions about what the Packers will do. Really, if not for that, then what are we here for? Second, mock drafts get it wrong. They get it wrong a lot. Uh, we've been taking a look at mock drafts the last couple of weeks, and the, the sheer number of folks that have been predicted to the Packers is crazy. At least 10, 15 different names. Those who put them together have to make so many picks that most don't use the kind of data that we've collected. Uh, And and I think we've collected some pretty interesting data. So what kind of data are we talking about? How does this really work? We've broken it down into four main areas. First, the Packers do have some tendencies in the sorts of players that they draft, and they have some notable ones at at just about every position. We're going to focus on three particular positions, and Gary's going to tell you about that here in just a second. Second, we we have incredible data on where players tend to perform the best at certain draft slots. So what that means is which cornerbacks where they are in the draft where are they going to perform the best it it may not always work out exactly how you think it's going to thirdly we have data on where the packers have spent their picks think of draft picks like money you only get so much of it and where you spend it is going to tell everyone else who's watching a lot about your priorities what are the packers priorities well we have a lot of data on that and we'll get into that in the podcast Uh, that's to come. Finally, we're going to actually name some names, not just one name in the first round uh, or even in the second round. We're going to go throughout all the draft and name some players who are a good fit 
for the Packers profiles in terms of the players they like. So here's the plan for the rest of our time together. As John said, we're going to take a look at three key positions the Packers, we believe, will most likely address during the draft. Pass rusher, running back, and cornerback. At each position, we're going to start by painting you a picture of the ideal player the Packers prefer. Next, we're going to discuss where exactly you can select that player for the greatest value and where the Packers have selected them in the past. Are the good running backs gone by the third round? Can you get a pass rusher late? That sort of thing. Then finally, we're going to crunch the numbers. And as John mentioned, we're going to name some names and find some rookies in this draft that fit the vision we painted for you that are going to be available in the beginning, middle, and end of the draft. We're going to start, as Gary said, with pass rushers. In in Green Bay, pass rushers are very important. They run a 3-4 scheme, so you need a lot of guys who can get after the quarterback. In Green Bay, these sorts of players tend to be a little bit smaller and a little bit faster than the league average. Think guys that are around six foot three and about 240 to 250 pounds. They run the 40-yard dash, 40-yard dash in about 4.65 seconds or so. The Packers also prefer their outside linebackers to perform well in the 20-yard shuttle. That means agility. So when should a team draft a pass rusher? Well, these outside linebackers, you may see them called edge rushers. They're like the defensive equivalent of a quarterback when it comes to the draft. So much emphasis in the college game is on rushing the passer that the talented linebackers and defensive ends are usually uncovered by scouts and selected high and early in the first round. If you can find an undrafted pass rusher that sticks on your team, think of guys like Andy Malumba, Vic Sooto. It's kind of the equivalent of a fourth-round pick. So you got to take your pass rushers early. If you don't get them early, really anything from that fourth through seventh and even undrafted rounds are, are, are pretty equal in terms of talent. So who are the Packers going to target? What sort of names should we be looking at in terms of pass rushers who could help the Packers? Obviously, like Gary said, you're going to want to look early in the draft. So who are the elite athletes that can get after the quarterback? There's actually quite a few that fit the Packers' profiles, and we're going to have a full rundown on all of these players posted at thepowersweep.com. But to keep things short and in the interest of time on the podcast, we're just going to touch at a couple at each level of the draft. So in the high end, we've got a couple names that we really like. Tack McKinley, a outside linebacker, defensive end type, the edge rusher, from UCLA and TJ Watt from Wisconsin. McKinley's actually a little bit undersized for what the Packers like. He's only about six foot two, weighs maybe 250 pounds if you're generous. Watt, though a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, right in line with what the Packers like from their pass rusher. The question for both of them is whether or not they're actually going to be available when the Packers are up to pick in the first round. A couple notes about these guys as well. Watt is just as good rushing from the left side of the offense as he is from the right, while McKinley much more successful rushing from just that left side, facing off against those left tackles. McKinley, though, may be counterintuitively a little bit better run defender than Watt. Looking more towards the mid-rounds, a couple names to watch. Vince Beagle from Wisconsin and Alex Anzalone from Florida. Uh, there's still plenty of value to be had in this draft. There's a lot of pass rushers out there, and these two guys are, are really good fits for what the Packers like to do. People have made a lot of how similar T.J. Watt is, is in terms of measurables to Clay Matthews, but both Beagle 
and Anzalone are actually closer, significantly closer. Uh, Beagle does miss a lot of tackles. He missed 12 on 54 attempts last season. He has one of the lowest tackle efficiency numbers of edge rushers in this draft. He also dropped into coverage 233 times over the past two years. He could be an option at inside linebacker, too, as a result. Anzalone, the big question with him is injuries. He's been injured quite a bit over his time at Florida, and whether he'll be able to shake that is a big question as he tries to jump to the next level. Finally, in the low and undrafted range, uh, this is an area that the Packers like to target a lot. They like these guys because they're great on special teams. Their body type works really well for that kind of play. Think J. Ron Elliott and Andy Malumbo for starters. Dylan Donahue of West Georgia really fits into that kind of mold, although there's maybe not a lot of potential for Donahue as a pass rusher because he has extremely short arms. But my question for you, Gary, is when do you think the Packers are going to draft a pass rusher, if at all? Well, I do believe they're going to draft a pass rusher, and I think they're going to draft a pass rusher in the first round. If they don't get to a pass rusher, then I think they're going to pick it in the second round. Now, historically, we've seen the Packers under Ted Thompson select seven pass rushers. Four have been picked in either the first, second, or third rounds. The two uh, pass rushers that have been selected in the first round, Nick Perry and Clay Matthews. There's a pretty substantial drop-off in production, for pass rushers selected after the third round, according to our data, you can make a case, as we said, that it's better to wait and just go undrafted rather than take somebody in the fourth through seventh round. And finally, John, I really think that the Packers are going to draft a pass rusher early because there's a lot of small school players who have made a name for themselves in the high end of this class. You typically don't see guys from Temple, Florida Atlantic, Villanova sending high end NFL talent too often. And you got to believe that Ted Thompson loves that hidden small school gem. Because Ted Thompson himself a small school gem for his NFL career, and I guess to a certain extent in his career as an NFL talent evaluator. I agree with you. I think they're going to, to draft a pass rusher early, but they're not going to stop there. There's plenty of pass rushing bodies coming to Green Bay over the next couple weeks. Before we jump into our discussion of cornerbacks and running backs, I want to take a second and bring you behind the curtain here at Blue58 and thepowersweep.com. If you don't know the full story, uh, Gary and I were friends in college, and we both kind of uh, spent some time in Wisconsin after school, but ultimately moved out of the great uh, America's Dairyland. But we launched the Power Sweep last July as kind of a major effort to stay connected to the Packers, to a team we love, and to an area that means a lot to us. It's existed in previous forms, but this is really the fullest realization of that. So we exist in hopes of making everybody a smarter fan of the Green Bay Packers, but in practical sense, we only exist because of readers and, and people who listen to the podcast. If there weren't people reading and listening to what we were doing, there'd be no point in doing it and we would probably quit. And it's thanks to that support that we've really been able to grow the site to the point where we're seeing traffic numbers that we really, really never imagined. It's been astonishing. But between working full time and our families creating the, the blog posts that you see in the podcast, it gets to be a lot of work. So we're looking for some opportunities for you as the reader, as someone who likes what we're doing, to maybe help us out, get us to that next level, or at least help us stay at the level where we are right now. Here are two quick, completely free ways that you can help us grow the power sweep right now. First, 
spread the word. It would help us in a massive way if you told your family and friends, your coworkers, even random acquaintances on the street about this great website that you read and this great podcast that you listen to. Share the stuff. Uh, tell your friends about it. Get them to look at it, too. If there's someone that you think would benefit from what we do, share it with them and help us get it out in front of more people. The second thing that you can do is just subscribe to our emails. We know that your inbox gets overloaded with stuff, and we promise that we will take great care of your information and of your email address. We'll never send more than one email a week, uh, and whenever that'll come out Wednesdays whenever we launch a new podcast, so you'll be able to stay up to date on what's going on with us and with the site. It's easier than having to remember to come back to the site again and again. I just want to say on behalf of Gary and me, it's a huge, huge blessing to have you listening and reading and doing whatever it is you do with the Power Sweep already. And I'd be so grateful for you if you would help us get it in front of more people and take this really to the next level. We'll see you around. Check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. We're more than happy to interact with you there. So let's jump right back into the podcast. Blue 58 it's conventional wisdom, Gary, that the Packers need some kind of running back in the draft. And really, the Packers have said as much. Mike McCarthy said himself before the start of OTAs that the Packers would have more running backs on the roster. Right now, they have Ty Montgomery, Kristen Michael, and Don Jackson, and that's it. If you count Aaron Ripkowski, I guess it gets you up to four. But it would still seem to make sense that the Packers need some help at running back as the roster stands right now. But it's not just quite that simple. You can't just grab any guy and expect him to succeed in Green Bay. What sort of running backs can actually succeed? It's pretty specific. A little bit counterintuitive, actually, but the Packers actually do tend to draft bigger backs. Not necessarily big like Eddie Lacy, but thick, well-muscled guy. Their average height and weight of a back drafted by the Packers actually significantly larger than the league average. Only two backs drafted by the Packers in the Ted Thompson era have weighed less than 218 pounds at the Combine. Packers also expect their backs to be able to move their mass pretty quickly and not just talking straight line speed here. They also like uh, good three-cone and shuttle times. You can't just have that straight line 40-yard dash feed, uh, speed and expect to end up in Green Bay. Three things the Packers also need their running backs to do. Catch the ball well out of the backfield, pass block for Aaron Rodgers, and run effectively out of the shotgun formation. So when should a team draft a running back? Well, when we took 20, 2016's Pro Football Focus grade data and compared it against the rounds that these players were drafted, an interesting result came. The most successful running backs last year were not necessarily high-round draft picks. Running back is kind of the opposite of quarterback. There's really no reason to draft one in the first round because talent in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, even undrafted, it's a pretty even line as you'll see if you take a look at the data on thepowersweep.com. Sure, stars like Ezekiel Elliott, Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley exist, drafted high in the in the draft, but the average performance of a fourth or even fifth round running back isn't all that different from a first round running back according to the data. The Packers strategy with free agents comes into play here too as they tend to avoid drafting running backs late and instead choose to bring in volume via undrafted free agents. So when have the Packers drafted running backs? Well, we touched on Eddie Lacy earlier. He was a second round pick and running back is one of just three positions Ted Thompson has yet to use a first round pick under. Green Bay has used a second round pick twice, Lacey, and 
Brandon Jackson and has picked a running back once in each of the subsequent rounds. The 2013 draft that Lacey was selected and also brought Jonathan Franklin in the first round, and he's the last time the Packers have selected a back in the draft. But like we said, both conventional wisdom and the Packers' own statements have indicated that the Packers are in the market for a running back, so looking at the draft, what sort of running backs may be available? This is a running back rich class, and right off the top, we have to say it sure would be great if the Packers could draft a guy like Leonard Fournette, but that's not going to happen. So the two more realistic options at the high end of the draft seem to be Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. Both of them fit what the Packers like from their running backs. Cook a little bit better in terms of the physical profile. But here's where there's a bit of a trade-off. Although Cook may be a little bit better physically, McCaffrey actually does some of the things that uh, the Packers like from their backs better than Cook. For instance, he is a much better pass blocker than Cook is, but Cook is a significantly better runner. In fact, he leads all draft-eligible running backs in missed tackles uh, when rushing and yard and and in yards after contact. So he can do a lot of good work, more or less, on his own. In the middle rounds, there's still plenty of value value to be had. And one name I really like is Brian Hill from Wyoming. He's six foot one, about 218 pounds, big, rugged running back. Think the sort of physical makeup of a guy like James Starks. Another interesting name, Marlon Mack from South Florida. He has a great elusive rating if you ask pro football focus elusive rating essentially means that that the higher number the better a running back is at making things happen when it's a completely up to them so you think of a guy like Ezekiel Elliott yes a great running back but he's not going to have as great of an elusive rating because he gets a lot of help from his offensive line Marlon Mack rates a 93.4 in elusive rating a top 15 Brian Hill meanwhile a 40.7 falling into the bottom 20 in this class. In the low rounds and undrafted guys, it gets a little bit iffy, but a couple guys worth taking a flyer on could be Chris Carson of Oklahoma State and Davion Smith from Michigan. According to Pro Football Focus, Chris Carson has the highest elusive rating of all running backs in the draft, even ahead of Dalvin Cook. So Gary, would you be upset if the Packers actually drafted a running back early, maybe even in the first round? No, I, I wouldn't be upset. I, I think it's a little bit of, I'm going to call it mock draft clickbait wizardry that we're seeing Delvin Cook to Green Bay. I, I, I find it really hard to believe that a player of his quality is going to be there at number 29. And then there's Christian McCaffrey. Emotionally, I really enjoyed watching him in college. The Packers have had success when drafting Stanford players before, especially in recent years, and I just don't think he's the right guy in the first round because he's too similar to another Packer and another Stanford product in Ty Montgomery. When when McCaffrey was a freshman in 2014, he was playing behind Ty Montgomery and his head coach, David Shaw, said that the closest comparison to McCaffrey was none other than Montgomery, but that Montgomery was a bit more of a receiver, which was where he was selected by the Packers in the draft. McCaffrey and Montgomery do a lot of the same things well, John, and I just don't see them complementing each other as well as the other two-man successful running back teams in the league. I think that's a really good point because you do often account for some overlap between your backs, 
And it seems like Montgomery and McCaffrey would have more overlap than you would necessarily like. I'm with you. I wouldn't mind seeing the Packers take it back early. I just wonder, like you said, if there's actually going to be someone available to them at 29 and if that's really the best use of their draft resources. One place that most everyone agrees the Packers would generally like to use some draft resources is at corner. Though we've explored the idea of the Packers not taking a cornerback at all in the draft, I'd still say that there is a fairly good chance that they are going to draft a cornerback at some point during this year's NFL draft, and they will certainly bring in some bodies uh, at undrafted free agent or one in that crop, uh, just because it's a position where you need a lot of players. So what kind of cornerbacks do the Packers tend to target? Well, here's something you may actually not have expected. On average, the Packers tend to draft cornerbacks that are actually slightly faster than the league average. That was a big surprise to me, but that's what the numbers actually say. Aside from that, the Packers stick pretty closely to their preference of cornerbacks who measure 5'11 or taller. They've actually gone on record and say and said we won't consider any cornerback who's under 5'11. They've also exhibited a tendency towards uh, players who run really good three-cone times. So when should a team draft a cornerback? Well, our data produces a really solid and firm rule. If you don't draft a cornerback early, don't draft one at all, because you might as well take your chance with an undrafted free agent. According to our research, undrafted cornerbacks produce generally about as well as someone drafted between rounds five and seven. Now, what's interesting and a note on the data is, sure, it's one thing to say, I'd love to get an undrafted cornerback if that's the the value. So the ones that are undrafted that are playing are really going to have to have earned that playing time. So a little a little skewed in the data because there are so many undrafted cornerbacks who who aren't you know don't make it who who get cut at the end of training camp as the Packers have seen. But uh, what rounds? specifically have the Packers drafted cornerbacks before. So Demarius Randall remains the only corner taken in the first round under Ted Thompson, but the team has selected three corners in the second round. You can never have too much depth at corner, and the Packers learned that the hard way last season, but their draft strategy seems to say that they already knew that. From the fourth through the seventh round, the Packers have selected a total of eight cornerbacks. And they've brought in scores more in undrafted free agency. So you can bet on the Packers bringing in cornerbacks in some way over the next couple weeks. So who might some of those cornerbacks be? We have a lot of names for you. And specifically at the top end, it gets a little bit iffy because there are just tons and tons of players in the top third of the cornerback class who really fit what the Packers want from cornerbacks. There's a lot of big, fast, and strong corners out there. In fact, there are a couple of corners in this draft that are six foot three or taller. Very, very big guys. That said, uh, Chidobi Awuzi from Colorado fits the size and speed projections really well. He's an excellent fit in zone coverage, needs a little bit of work uh, in man-to-man, but he reads uh, the plays that he sees really well, tends to break on the ball really well, pretty good ball skills. Uh, Gary and Conley, another name, a cornerback from Ohio State, not super great in zone coverage, but thought to be pretty good in man-to-man. Finally, another name, Quincy Wilson from Florida. The best size and speed combo perhaps in the draft. He's six foot one and runs pretty well and very strong jamming wide receivers 
right at the snap of the ball. Heading towards the middle rounds, we know we said earlier that the Packers should try to avoid picking a player in the middle rounds. Uh, There's that hard and fast rule that really if you don't get one in the first two or three rounds, you may as well just wait and pick one up in undrafted free agency or pick a bunch up and see if anybody sticks. But if the Packers do decide to try to draft somebody towards the middle of the draft, you would do pretty well to take a guy guy like Shaquille Griffin from the University of Central Florida. He does fit the model of what the Packers like to do. And according to NFL.com, his closest professional comparison is Ladarius Gunter. That's encouraging from a physical profile. It may be a little bit discouraging elsewhere, so just think of it more in terms of the physical fit. Finally, if you want to look at somebody in the very later portions of the draft or even as an undrafted free agent, Think of a name like Nate Hairston. He played for Temple. Now stop me if you've heard this one before. He's a corner with pretty good size. He played receiver for three years before moving to defense. And he did very well in his first year at corner and is considered a bit of a project. Gary, he's coming to Green Bay, right? If he's not coming to Green Bay, I'm I'm just not quite sure who is. My question overall to you, though, Gary, is do you think the Packers end up taking a cornerback early? I don't. I think when the Packers pick in the first round, there's going to be more talent available at pass rusher than there is at cornerback. The problems that Green Bay had last season in defending the pass are solved just as easily with more pass rushers, in my opinion, than they are with better play from their secondary. I also think that the capital the Packers invested in Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins, it's too early to just consider that a wash and to, to let that go to waste. I think you got to see what they got for one more year. On top of that, the more you read about scouts who understand college prospects, the more you believe you can get quality cornerbacks past the first and second round. Now we've talked and and beaten home the idea of kind of a late that that you don't want to draft cornerbacks late, but given the quality of this draft class, there might be some corners selected in the third, fourth, fifth rounds that could be just the same value as a second-round cornerback. You made an interesting point there, Gary, about solving the Packers' problems in the secondary with a pass rush. I read an interesting piece of analysis from one NFL writer just within the past week or so, and he said, if you want to try to win on defense with a secondary, you really need four elite or at least very good players. But if you want to win on defense with a pass rush, You really only need two. The Packers have at least one pretty decent pass rusher in Nick Perry. And if Clay Matthews can become anything close to what he used to be, that gets you up to two. And it would be, it would seem to make sense that the Packers could shore up their secondary by adding someone who can really get after the corner or the quarterback and give those corners a little bit of extra time. Gary, I just want to add one caveat as we approach the end of this analysis here. Neither of us do this for a living. We're not professional talent evaluators. This ultimately is our best guess based on the data that we have. So I don't know how firm you feel in your predictions, but I just want to throw that out there that uh, this is not this is not to be taken as some sort of gospel thing, but just us doing as best as we can. <laughs> we're just two Midwestern boys trying as hard as we can. I, I think we, we, what our vision was for this and what I think we accomplished was to try to come as close to a money ball approach 
to football selections in the draft as possible. There's a lot of data out there, and the Packers have been fortunate to have a single regime drafting for a number of years that we can start to see some tendencies. And I think that we uh, we might not get the names right, but we've got a pretty good idea of what the Packers are going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And while I've got you here, Gary, we've talked a lot about the draft, but we haven't directly addressed one important piece to consider, undrafted free agents. The Packers love their undrafted free agents, and if the team scouting department like that of the Packers can uncover a prospect and the coaching staff can develop him, it's a huge bonus for a team. Basically the equivalent, as we've discovered, as like an extra fifth-round draft pick. Why is this important? Well, since Ted Thompson arrived in Green Bay, the majority of the team's 30 available pre-draft visits have been spent on players who are most likely not going to end up being drafted. You use those visits as sort of recruiting trips since a lot of undrafted players get to select where they sign. And since the Packers have a reputation of giving undrafted free agents a shot, sometimes they end up in Green Bay. And worth noting, Last year, the best undrafted players available played safety, center, and wide receiver. At least two of those three positions, I think, could be of use to the Packers. Just something to keep an eye on. I think that's about a show for this week, Gary. What do you say? I sure think it is. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to hear more, once again, as John said, just want to thank you, the readers and listeners of Blue 58 and the Power Sweep, for uh, making us a part of your Packer fandom. It's really an honor. Uh, You can visit us at www.thepowersweep.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at The Power Sweep in both locations. Reach out to us. Send us an email. We are thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you because your feedback helps John and I make Blue 58 and The Power Sweep better and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans. And smarter Packer fans are better Packer fans and better Packer fans are what we all want to be. For Gary Zillavy, I am John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58.